Jen, it's Fantasy Festivus and time to air your fantasy grievances. Who let you down this week? Well, my week six uh, Festivus airing of grievances goes to the collective uh, Baltimore Ravens backfield. <laughs> uh, so, okay. They, they, first of all, it was cloudy to begin with, right? Coming into the season, we had, you know, we had Gus, we had Dobbins. They both get hurt. Then they add a bunch of people. It's cloudy. It's cloudy. Then we think maybe last week that Latavius Murray will emerge as the lead back. But no. So this week they have Tyson Williams is, is a healthy scratch again, which whatever. And then we have Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman, and Le'Veon Bell. Not only do they all get touchdowns, they get very similar volume. So Murray had 11 touches, Freeman had nine, Bell had eight. Like, what are we supposed to do with this moving forward? I don't know. So that is what frustrates me um, from week six in my grievances. It's just teasing you. That's what it's doing. I keep alternating Latavius Murray and Miles Gaskin in my lineups, and it's the wrong week every time, and I'm angry about it. I'm with you. I'm mm-hmm. with you, Jen. Feats <laughs> of strength. Get... Feats of strength. <laughs> now let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, to the most accurate podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Niles, and with me are my excellent co-hosts, Jen Akins and Chris Allen. Chris, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing okay. Uh, I mean, probably not as good as the Bills defensive front, as we just heard about Derrick Henry rumbling for a 76-yard touchdown. (laughs) But other than that, I mean, still doing well. Teams are doing it right. Uh, So, yeah, other than that, I can't complain too much. I mean, Jen, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited. We're we're, we're coming into week seven, which is, you know, it's crazy to feel like part of me is like, wow, it's already week seven. And part of me is like, oh, my God, it's only week seven. But um, it's awesome. You know, we've got uh, a lot of craziness uh, that happened last week and coming up this week. I don't know. I mean, Chris, what, uh, let's talk about the surprises from, from last week. What do you got? So the first surprise, and I, honestly, this was a legitimate surprise, was that with, while Miami still lost to Jacksonville like in London this past weekend, I was actually somewhat surprised to see how sharp – uh, Tua looked like coming off of IR. I mean, the for the first like what two straight drives like to open the game, there was nothing but these quick passes like out to both Jalen Waddle, Mike Gesicki, also getting like Durham Smythe involved. And so while they were missing Devonte Parker, haven't really seen much. I mean, and Will Fuller's on IR. I mean, I, I get it, I get it. They were going to be uh, going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, so it's not really a defense that we would say that any offense facing them is pretty being put up to much of a challenge, but still seeing him come off IR able to pilot the offense like fairly well. I mean, not just on the quick passes, also hitting some of the seam routes as well. I mean, really accurate as a passer, aggressive as a passer as well. I mean, a couple of things that we didn't traditionally see out of Tua, even during his rookie season and when he started this season as well. So I'm, I'm just happy to see Miami being able to at least find some sort of stability at quarterback after being stuck with Brissett for the past like few weeks. So I don't know, Jen, I mean, did you see the, the same thing or at least, uh, I mean, are also somewhat surprised with Tua coming back? Yeah, I mean, a little bit surprised and a little not. You know, I, I'm a Tua believer, so I, I felt like, you know, healthy, uh, he, he would be all right. And I mean, I will say I was a little surprised to see, uh, looking up, he's QB 10. I mean, without, without the Monday Night Football guys, but... Um, he was QB 10 in fantasy points this week. So um, that, that is exciting and it's encouraging. It's also encouraging for his, you know, his weapons. I mean, granted, most of them are hurt. But, you know, if you have Jasicki or, or, you know, Will Fuller's coming back soon. And, and I don't know. I think it's, you know, I think it's, you know, it's good. It's good for the league um, that, you know, another team can kind of step up and, and, you know, elevate themselves a bit. 
Right. And uh, Brandon, for you, I know that with Miami, at least somewhat, like, I don't know if they're completely sold on Tua moving forward. We've got the Deshaun Watson stuff, like kind of swirling around that entire team right now. I mean, uh, even with them facing Jacksonville, but Tua looking at least decent as a quarterback. I mean, what are your thoughts about like Tua moving forward? Tua secretly has been pretty good. Uh, he, he just hasn't been great, and that's the problem. People want him to be great. And, you know, I think this was like his 12th start or something along those lines. He's 7-5 and five as a starter. I just uh, – I, I think that most of the panic about Tua is based on expectations that he should be better than Justin Herbert. He needs to be better than Justin Herbert if he's going to be any good. And I just don't think that's fair to Tua or to really the Dolphins or anything. So I, I think it's way too early to be out on Tua. I think that what we've seen from him are flashes of a franchise quarterback uh, with some inconsistencies, some injuries, and some uh, hesitation to, to go after big plays, which is kind of disappearing a little bit this year. Of course, we have a very small sample size to work with. Uh, Dolphins face the Falcons next week. So we talk about the Jags being a nice matchup and how much do you take away from that? Uh, I definitely take away from, from that, that Tua can produce against a bad defense and going up against Atlanta next week. I'm going to be very excited about him. Right. And just a quick preview, at least for, for Jen, since she edits, edits all of my work. Uh, yeah, she'll probably see a blurb about Tua uh, here within the next like few hours or so or tomorrow <laughs> cool. morning. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, another surprise like coming out of week six uh, was just like Darnold continuing to implode. And I know like a lot of folks are probably like, well, I could have told you that after watching what three seasons of Darnold in New York. There's really no way or at least no reason to believe he was going to continue to be as good as he was to start the season. And of course, being propped up by matchups against the Jets against Houston, I believe even when they faced New Orleans, they didn't have their top corner uh, when the Panthers faced them. So sure, why not? Like, why would he not be at least a decent quarterback to start the year? And now with being tested against teams that can put up pressure against him in Dallas, Philly, and Minnesota, of course, we've continued to see him drop further and further down the ranks as a quarterback. I mean, his like his uh, completion percentage under while under pressure over the past few weeks has dropped all the way down to about 34, 35%. I mean, multiple interceptions over the past couple of weeks. I mean, other than what having to go into overtime and we get we get the extra time for him to play, that's the only reason he's been able to pad his stats. But he's been off target to D, uh, DJ Moore, off target to Robbie Anderson. We haven't really seen a third option really start to emerge in that offense. So, Jen, I mean, how are you approaching Sam Darnold? Or really, actually, I'll go and take Sam Darnold out of the equation. How are you approaching any of the pass catchers associated with Sam Darnold in Carolina's offense moving forward? Well, it's pretty frustrating, actually, because coming into the season, I was hopeful for Donald. I felt like if he, you know, was in a different situation, he had a fresh start, um, that perhaps, you know, he could be who everyone thought he would be coming in. And, uh, you know, we drafted his pieces accordingly. And now we're kind of in a position that I think, you know, DJ Moore is really the only guy there that that's rosterable. Uh, you know, with McCaffrey out, it, I mean, obviously, you know, Chuba is someone that you're going to roster, you know. But, I mean, as far as the, the pass-catching weapons, uh, it, it's frustrating. And I feel like for Carolina as a franchise, you know, they're kind of in, in repeat mode with a different person, right? Like, Teddy was, you know, the, the knock on Teddy was that he couldn't really win or get things done, you know, when he really needed to or when he was missing, you know, McCaffrey and missing weapons. And I feel like, you know, that all trickles down to fantasy. And I feel like we're kind of in that same boat with that team 
uh, this season, just with a different guy there. Uh, and it's frustrating. I mean, DJ Moore had a great start. And, um, you know, this week, not so much. So I guess we'll see, you know, if it kind of tapers off or if maybe there's a mean. I don't know. I'm not really sure. But, yeah. No, I think that's the right way to look at it. And, Brandon, kicking it over to you. I mean, they've got, I mean, the Panthers themselves, they've had some decent, they've got decent matchups ahead of them. I see the, what, they're playing the Giants this week. They've got Atlanta the week after that. I see uh, like, you know, Miami and Atlanta again, like towards the back end of the season. So it's just, are you just really just looking at Sam Darnold as a matchup-based starter and that also affects his pass catchers? Or how are you looking at Sam Darnold as of right now? Yeah, I'm looking at him as a matchup guy. I, I'm also really curious when Christian McCaffrey comes back because we saw him at his most efficient with Christian McCaffrey in the lineup. He, like, I think all but one of his interceptions have come since McCaffrey got hurt, uh, which is concerning in that regard. And I don't know how much of that is the defense keying in on the passing game now that they're maybe not scared of Chuba Hubbard back there, whereas with Christian McCaffrey, all eyes were on him. Uh, I, I think that McCaffrey being out three more weeks hurts Darnold more in my eyes than specifically his last two, three outings where he's uh, been more turnover prone and hasn't really put in the rushing production. Uh, so we'll see what happens there, but I definitely like the matchups. I'm definitely uh, at least interested in him in this, as a streamer in this like crazy bye week of week seven against the Giants. Definitely interested the following week against Atlanta, but I'm definitely not going to be looking at him against New England, Arizona, Washington, or maybe not even Miami if Miami can uh, get their defense in shape. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a fair approach. And I guess my my concern now, and like as we've kind of been circling around, it's just like what does that mean for the rest of that offense? And yet I think you're right to point out that without Christian McCaffrey in the lineup, like while Chuba Hubbard has at least put on at least I don't know, he's definitely not uh, he definitely hasn't risen to where Mike Davis was like last year in replacement for Christian McCaffrey, but at least doing at least a decent facsimile of Christian McCaffrey has allowed him to at least uh, for them to at least put up uh, some decent production on the ground. So hopefully they can figure it out. Hopefully that offensive line like stays intact for them to continue to, uh, to figure it out. But either way, I think it's more of a matchup based approach for Sam Darnold. I don't think we'll be able to say the same for Justin Herbert because he's a guy that's in everybody's lineup so far. But after last week, I don't really know what to expect. I mean, what was it just a week or so ago? The uh, the Ravens, like their defense was getting ripped up by Carson Wentz. We see them come, uh, the, the Chargers come to town. We're expecting nothing but fancy points for everybody. I mean, maybe minus Mike Williams since he came in there with an injury, but we got nothing out of them. I don't even know what to take away from that entire game. I mean, there was just nothing but either bad play calling. They went up. Uh, they tried to convert a number of times on fourth down in Baltimore's uh, in their own territory and wound up giving it up uh, to to Lamar Jackson, making the game even easier for a guy that we already considered to be deadly as a, both a passer and a rusher. I mean, Justin Herbert looked off the entire offense looked off. So, I mean, Jen, are you taking anything away from like this game against uh, uh, their game against the Ravens? Are you just kind of just shrugging your shoulders saying that it happens to be a just a bad game for them and just moving on? I'm, ho I'm going for the latter. I, I can't imagine that a team that's looked this sharp, you know, for the first five weeks of the season, you know, yes, they had a full-on implosion. Uh, but I, I feel like the reality is more of what we saw in the beginning. I mean, looking at the fantasy numbers, it's pretty scary, actually. There was only two people on the team in double digits, and that was Justin Herbert with an 11, and Jared Cook had 10.5 half PPR points, and that's just because he got in, you know. The rest of them, even Eckler had seven and a half points. 
Allen had seven and a half points. It was definitely ugly. It was a very bad game. Uh, something was off. The good news for this team is they do have a bye uh, in week seven. So Mike Williams can get a little healthier. They can kind of get their stuff together and figure out what went wrong and hopefully adjust and, uh, you know, come back to kind of where they were. Yeah, and I think that's the that's the way to approach it. I don't think anybody's going to assume that this is something that is going to continue to be the case after seeing, what, four or five weeks of that entire offense. Maybe not Justin Herbert. Like, while he's been great, he has had, at least from a quarterback perspective, or for fantasy quarterback perspective, he hasn't been completely lights out. But that whole offense so far with Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, even the tight ends in Jared Cook and Donald Parham also being a decent, uh, decent fantasy producers as well. I think that's the proper way to approach it. I mean, Brandon, again... I, I'm assuming that you're going to echo uh, Jen's sentiments, but are you also? Do you also have the same takeaways after watching this game from last week? Yeah, I'm not too worried about uh, any of these guys. I continue to be concerned about Keenan Allen, uh, not because I think he's bad or like not going to be fantasy relevant, but definitely because he's just not putting up wide receiver one numbers and he's not getting the targets and he's not doing the production. He doesn't look the same. And so I'm concerned that maybe Keenan Allen at cost because he was going in the third round of most drafts uh, is going to be one of those, uh, you know, essentially a bust for you. Mike Williams has kind of taken over, um, you know, the lion's share of stuff there, the bye week hopefully Williams's knee will get better. I think that'll help the offense. I, I don't know how much his knee was bothering him, but, uh, but no, I kind of think it was just a bad game, just kind of a bad game against the Ravens. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think a number of folks were at least looking at how the how the drives were going, how the fact that they were essentially just completely hit with regression, not being able to convert some of those like fourth down calls that they were lauded for like in weeks prior. So I think that's more of a, you know, let's continue to trust the process. I do think that in the coming weeks, especially looking at their schedule, I mean, they don't have the greatest schedule like moving forward. I mean, they're on by obviously in week seven, they go up against the Patriots, then the Eagles, then Minnesota over the next few weeks after they get back. So it could be at least a uh, maybe a tough time for them coming out of the bye week going against uh, going up against the Patriots but the Patriots have been looking at all that great on defense but we'll Mm -hmm. see how things move forward but I mean Brandon I mean how are things looking for you as you try and tell us some more about how we can spice things up for our fantasy football leagues well, you know, the Chargers are going to look for an easy and fun way uh, when they get out of the bye against the Eagles pretty soon. So, uh, listeners, if you want an easy and fun way to spice up your football season, uh, go to Underdog Fantasy. Play their brand-new Pick'em game. Just pick over or under on your favorite or least favorite player stats. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Just pick between two and five players when you some cold, hard cash. First-time depositors should head to 4for4.com slash underdog, claim your free 4 for 4 Pro subscription, and get $10 in bonus cash to play with this weekend. All right, buy or sell, buy or sell segment. Uh, Jen, let's start with the Browns' backfield. Kareem Hunt's going to be out for a few weeks. Luckily, uh, just a calf and not the Achilles that we were concerned about when we saw him get carted off. Nick Chubb was a late scratch. We don't know his status this week, but uh, not necessarily looking good. They got Dearness Johnson, Demetric Felton, the rookie there. Uh, what are you doing with the Browns' backfield? Either of those guys worth buying, picking up, and maybe even starting, especially if Chubb's out? I think so. I think it depends, obviously, on your specific league, what you need, what you know, that kind of thing. But considering that the Browns are tied for first in rushing attempts this season with 194 and Baker's hurt, like, I don't know how you don't at least try to get a piece of that. Uh, because if they're both out, I can't imagine that. You know, the problem is you don't really know which one it will be. I know that they have different roles, I guess. But uh, 
Yeah, I think you have to at least kind of approach it to where, especially with you know with bye weeks and 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 everyone else getting hurt. Uh, I, I would think that, yeah, I would think both of them are worth at least consideration for a pickup. Felton, coming out of college, kind of had the wide receiver slash running back label. People thought he would come out and play a passing down role, which would lead me to think he might be more the Kareem Hunt uh, of mm-hmm. this offense if you're kind of making that comparison with Dearness Johnson filling more Chubbs carries. Uh, Chris, um, do you get kind of a similar sense, and are you interested in either of these Browns backs? Yeah, I think, and I, if I'm remembering correctly, he was actually labeled as a wide receiver at some point. So I'm not sure. I don't think that's going to be the case, or I don't think that's the case on any of the uh, the fantasy platforms. But we'll see if his target share winds up getting bumped up. I think the major concern as of right now with Cleveland is just what is their personnel going to look like? Because since they play on Thursday, we've got Baker Mayfield with his arm in a sling. Kareem Hunt likely not going to go. Nick Chubb couldn't even go this week. So it's just, and uh, who is it? Odell Beckham, while not injured, I think he was uh, shaken up a couple of times mm-hmm. like on, in their game yeah. on Sunday. So it's just their injury report, it looks ridiculous. I mean, they have, I think, 15 to 20 players that were on the injury report yeah, uh, their just tackles for today. too. Yeah, their tackles yeah, on top were of out. So I think that's my, my greatest concern is that if Baker Mayfield can't go, we can't even really expect much out of their uh, out of their entire offense if they have to wind up going to one of their backups. So I, I do think that it, it might be a good stash for either of those two running backs, but I think right now the focus should be on the entire offense as a whole. Uh, I, I I think that makes a ton of sense. Baker in a sling is never a good idea. Hopefully they could get healthy soon. Uh, let's stick with running backs and stick with the AFC North. Chris, uh, Jen talked about the Ravens running backs at the top of the show. Uh, any Ravens running backs appeal to you right now? Is there something we can do? Latavius Murray's nicked up. He's questionable for next week. Devontae Freeman's looked pretty good. You never know what's happening. Is this a complete stay away for you or is it like a stash potential? Okay, so I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I actually picked up and started Devonta Freeman in a couple of leagues this past week, and it kind of worked you. out for me. Savvy nice. you, yeah. Well, because I have I had Naheem Hines in a couple of rosters, and it just with Naheem Hines like not being used as much with whether they're either trying to get Jonathan Taylor more involved or even showcase Marlon Mack it hasn't been there for him. So I was looking for somebody that might have some punch, and I noticed in uh, week five. It was uh, Devonta Freeman that was being used out of the backfield, like as as a pass catcher, and I was like, okay, cool, I think that could work. And this past week, I mean, the same deal. Actually, Devonta Freeman has one less route run than uh, Latavius Murray over the past couple of weeks. That between the two of them, like they've definitely uh, lapped Tyson Williams whenever he's been active as a route runner. So regardless, I if uh, Lamar Jackson is going to continue at least being more of a passer than a runner. I do think that Devonta Freeman, even though like Rashad Bateman is back, Mark Andrews is still there, Marquise Brown, like so on and so forth. But if Devonta Freeman is still showing that he has the juice both as a rusher and a pass catcher, I don't see him as being at least that bad of an ad, especially with the bye weeks now being upon us. That makes sense. Like I, I wouldn't blow my uh, FAB money on him or anything like that. But if I can grab him and if Murray's out, like... I needed your bye weeks are rough. I get that. I get that. Uh, let's stick with running backs, Jen. Uh, I asked you about Khalil Herbert a week ago, and uh, you know, you, you taught, you said he was worth grabbing. You said that, uh, you know, the the touches he got, he ended up being even more valuable because Damian Williams ended up going on the COVID list and missing the game. Uh, presumably, Williams will probably come back. Do you think Herbert is still valuable or more valuable 
uh, now that he had 19 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown against Green Bay? Or do you think Damian Williams cuts back in and we get that 50-50 split that we had two weeks ago? That's tough to tell. I mean, you never know if they're going to ride the hot hand, if they're not going to ride the hot hand. Um, I'm thrilled. As Chris with Freeman, I picked up Herbert and started him, which worked out well for me um, as well this week. So Excellent. that was good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, if Damian Williams is healthy, I assume they're going to get him the ball um, when they can. But uh, So, I mean, I don't know if it would necessarily go back to a 50-50, but I would probably temper expectations that Herbert will get as much as he got uh, last week. But I think, you know, as has been the theme right now, you know, as we've been talking about with all the bye weeks and the injuries, I mean, yeah, you got you got to roster him at least and then, you know, assess whether you're going to start Herbert or not based on who else you have. Mm-hmm. And all those injuries, you know, they're sure taking the, 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 the their toll on everything out there, especially the Giants right now who keep just dropping wide receivers. They saw Sterling Shepard as a surprise return, uh, but then Kadarius Tony, the rookie, went down. Uh, after Tony went down, Chris, Dante Pettis had 11 targets. Uh, we've done this with Pettis before. We've gotten excited, been disappointed. Uh, is Pettis worth grabbing as a flyer after getting 11 targets and all the injuries they have there in New York? I, I don't know. I, I don't – I want to say – I want to say yes because at least if we're at least a week or so away from Kenny Galladay being back in the lineup, I don't even remember hearing much about him practicing last week. So I don't think that his return is imminent. Uh, Kadarius Tony, we already talked about him being ruled out like fairly quickly. What even CJ Board, like one of the guys that was getting at least a decent amount of targets earlier in the season when all of the receivers were out essentially, he also left with a either broken arm, broken wrist, something along those lines. So mm-hmm. yes, I mean necessity being the mother of invention will give us Dante Pettis targets. So I want to believe that 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 it's possible for him to continue to see work moving forward. But are we really going to invest in wide receiver threes <laughs> attached to Daniel Jones? I mean, is that <laughs> Is that what we're doing? Because if we're not even if we're not even all that uh, we don't have that much faith in Daniel Jones like as a quarterback, why should be why should we be I guess uh, investing in the pass catchers associated with them? I guess that's where my concern like comes in. So while he might be a fine bench stash, like if you are forced into using him, but what was it? Uh, let's see. So this week they've got Carolina. In two weeks they've got Kansas City, which might be okay. What and then in week nine they've got Vegas. I mean the Raiders have at least from a pass rush pass rush have been great. We just watched them completely annihilate uh, Denver's offensive line. Yeah. So just when will you feel comfortable putting Dante Pettis like the wide receiver three at least it looks like in the Giants offense? When will we feel comfortable starting him? So at least if you can't really say that without if you can't answer that without much conviction, I would just leave him on the on the waiver wire for right now. I, I, that's a pretty compelling argument to leave him <laughs> alone, Chris. I. I I don't really have a retort. I think that's a, I think that is a a clear and uh, actionable uh, piece of, of advice. Also, also, just a little off top. Did you see the hit Daniel Jones took when he got that concussion? Yeah, that was awful. And I mean, I that so the hit two weeks ago. What was that against Dallas? Right. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, so that was obviously something that it can happen in the game. And also good on the Dallas defender for pointing out yeah. Daniel Jones stumbling and then him having to go to the sideline and getting ruled out. But I just I question Joe Judge's I guess thought process for leaving him in against the Rams when they're cl- they have right. clearly no shot 
at winning. That's but yet what he's I was still in ask. there taking a bunch of, like, he took, what, four sacks, and I don't even know how many hits he wound up taking, but he's still getting pummeled by Aaron Donald and company late into the game when there's zero chance of them like, getting back after suffering a brain injury mm-hmm. not a week prior. I just, I, I don't, I get, that's part of the reason why I don't want to invest in that offense more so than the primary pieces like Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony if he's healthy, Saquon if he were healthy. I mean, just the, the main guys. Because mm-hmm. outside of that, it's just I can't even trust the people kind of pulling the strings behind all those players. So it's just, I, I would just rather stay away. I was, I was just so – I was shocked that Daniel Jones was active. I was just shocked. Yeah. Like watching that hit, I was like, ooh. He's gonna be, I was like, dial up Mike Glennon next week. And he was active. It was like, oh, my goodness. I can't believe he passed protocol. But yeah. I won't pretend to know anything about concussions. But, whoo, that was just rough. Sorry to go off there. Uh, I want to ask you also, Chris, about Kenyon Drake. I This might be an obvious answer, but he did get two touchdowns, so I thought we should bring him up. Uh, most people probably already dropped him off their rosters if he was even on a roster to begin with. Uh, I want to remind everybody, he only had four carries and two catches. Chris, do are you interested in Kenyon Drake based on his two touchdowns? Do you think it was a fluke? Uh, well, at least I know, uh, I believe, I don't know. At least I believe one of them was a fluke because Josh Jacobs had come out on the play right beforehand. And then right like on that particular play, the seas parted. Kenyon Drake just goes like straight up the, uh, I mean, and winds up getting his <laughs> touchdown. So it's just like, eh, I can't really, you know, it, Josh Jacobs could have done the exact same thing if he had not been winded on the previous play. So I'm not going to put too much, uh, too much into it, but with that being said, at least from a one-game sample after John Gruden being gone, it looks like uh, the uh, the aggressive tendencies are back. Derek Carr at least testing out, like uh, using Henry Ruggs more down the field and seeing more of that, like being involved in the offense. Okay, so if that offense is going to be more productive, at least from a yards per drive standpoint moving forward, if also Kenyon Drake is going to be mixed in a bit more as a pass catcher, okay, fine. So unlike Dante Pettis, I can see Kenyon Drake at least being a decent stash on our benches just to see if they're going to use him for, I mean, for the reason that they brought him in. They paid, what, like $10, $11 million in free agency to bring him in this past season? Yeah, and they we haven't really, And we haven't seen a ton of, like, consistent use out of him. So now, while this might be an anomaly, if there's some uh, decent amount of targets, like somewhere in the middle of where he's been at over the past few weeks to where he was at last, uh, just on Sunday, then okay, fine. I will I will take that and at least with the bye weeks being here, uh, use him as a possible RB2 slash flex option should I need to, uh, like based off of what my roster is at because of the bye weeks. As you see this, I'm going to 4 for 4 Snap app, which is awesome. Kenny Drake did see uh, 21% of the snaps last week um that that's that's up for week five but mm-hmm. you got a good point there gruden out maybe uh maybe he does kind of up it a little bit all right well last one uh jen i want you to uh formally invite miles gaskin to the uh official christian kirk all-stars club uh and tell us what to do with miles gaskin Miles gaskin is in charge of bringing the donuts next week to the <laughs> christian kirk all-stars meeting okay i have had it in fact you know, as I give you guys a usual sneak peek during this podcast of my, uh, but yes, Miles Gaskin is in my drop article this week because I want off the ride. Uh, so frustrating. I mean, the guy. So right now, right when you look at his numbers, just straight up, right, he's averaging it's he's averaging nine point two half PPR points a game. But actually, if you take out the one week five, you know, bonanza that he had, he's really only averaging five point six half PPR Ugh. points a game. Like that's so gross, and you just can't. I know that, that everyone's heard and it's hard to find running backs, but 
I think if you know if you're a fantasy manager that has Miles Gaskin and you just want to be done and let him be somebody else's headache, like it's just time to let him go. And you know what? He may blow up from week to week. Uh, but I think as far as, you know, the averages and evening out, they're just not using him. And, and, and I don't know. I mean, even with Tua back, we saw, you know, this week he, he scored a whopping 2.4 fantasy points um, for all the people that put him back in after his week five blow up. So um, I'm personally done with Miles Gaskin. I, uh, I want off. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We'll, we'll keep adding to that Christian Kirk All-Stars, and I feel like <laughs> dropping is going to be there. Christian Kirk coming back with a touchdown. Stupid Christian Kirk. I'm selling. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> folks, this podcast is also brought to you by Superdraft Fantasy, the official fantasy partner of Caesars Rewards. The most accurate podcast listeners get an instant $20 deposit match with their first deposit by using the promo code 4FOR4, that's 4 for 4, at registration. Get in now to play Super 15, a game everybody's seen in memes but nobody can play until now you'll recognize it as soon as you see it and for the first time you'll be able to win money by playing it additionally new super draft users get a four for four hoodie and are entered to win 444 dollars cash every week for the month of october download the super draft app and insert that four for four promo code today for your instant 20 dollars deposit match and try it out for yourself all right, looking ahead segment to, to wrap this up. Uh, just want to remind everybody, uh, Houston is bottom two in rushing yards allowed, bottom six in points allowed. They allow the fifth most yards per carry. Arizona is probably going to crush Houston. James Conner has been a little useful. You got bi-week issues. He's averaging 13 carries per game at 16 last week. Uh, I think the Cards have a runaway win, and Connor gets those double-digit touches. If you need a little running back help, a uh, little RB2 potential there, James Conner, uh, somebody who still has a pulse, even though maybe we forgot about him. Jen, what's your looking ahead? My looking ahead is, uh, <laughs> surprise, kicker, which I know everyone's on the edge of their seats for, but yeah. Will Lutz is coming back from IR, and um, they've got the, the Saints have Seattle, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, and Tennessee. So three out of those four are going to be matchups where the Saints can potentially score a lot of points. So grab yourself some Will Lutz um, before anyone else does and just ride him out for the next few weeks. Excellent, excellent. Get Will Lutz. I love it. It is weird to see the Saints kicker down at the bottom of the kicker uh, scoring. So I, I'm, I'm anxious for Lutz to get back up there. Chris, what are you uh, looking at, looking ahead? So for this upcoming week, I'm looking at Jameis Winston returning off the bye to face the Seahawks. Now, they do have to travel out to Seattle for the game. Not too worried about it because we've seen just so many quarterbacks at least have good production days against them. What they've had three of their last four uh, uh, quarterbacks that have faced him have thrown for 300 yards or more. Now, I'm doing a little like, uh, I don't know, I'm... I'm adding two quarterbacks together because actually Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo played against the Seahawks and they both wound up having like 310 or 320 pass yards between the two of them. So, I mean, take that with a grain of salt, but still Matthew Stafford went over 300 yards. Kirk Cousins went over 300 yards. Uh, Ben Roethlisberger was the only one not to uh, last night was like 220, 230 yards. By the way, I mean, bottom 10 in terms of adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, since that is one of the metrics that we use here at 444. I mean, so everything kind of points to Jameis Winston at least being useful, despite the fact that they are fairly low in terms of passing rate over expectation. I believe they're actually 31st or 32nd. So I think that's one of the only concerns is the volume. But otherwise, I think coming off of the buy, like Jameis Winston shapes up to be one of the top streamers for week seven. 
I hope you're right. I'm stuck and I need Marcus Callaway in a couple leagues. So I'm hoping that you're right and that equals good things for me. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jen. Always a pleasure. Listeners, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at the Monday Mommy, at Chris Allen FFWX, and at Two Guys Brandon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good day.